step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing. With so many fun things happening this spring, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, it's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. What's up, bitches? It's Katie kicking it off. No, I'll try it again. Nope, dude, that was No, 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 that's it. It's Katie saying, sup, bitches? This yeah. is the worst year ever, the podcast where we're all deeply ashamed of Katie. That's correct. And uh, uh, we I can't also talk about the election. You let me do this every week. Disgusting. I can. <laughs> you know what I'm disgusted by, what? y'all, is virtually all of the candidates in this election. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we, does that With the n- partial exception of the one we're talking about today. I was about to say, is that <laughs> the partial exception, yeah. We, it's yeah. good to remember that they are all indeed politicians, even the ones that yeah, we like the Yeah, they're all politicians. Yeah, they're all, it's, it's like remembering that Jimmy Carter had people extrajudicially murdered and supported <laughs> the is- violent crackdown on... For example, pro-democracy protesters in Korea. Yeah, it is Because they're like all that. politicians. <laughs> yeah. They are all politicians. And just inherently, the uh, <laughs> to be called to be president, there's something deeply wrong with you. To fight yeah. for that hard to want to be the most powerful person in the world, to be in charge of w- people's lives, who lives and who dies, drone strikes, all of that. There, there is something uh, different about you. And that is just good to it- keep in mind. It's like okay, we've all been in relationships. You've all we've all had those like fights with your your partner that happen like out in a public place when sure. you don't really want to, but like it happens there and then it's going on. If someone were to walk up to you both while you're having like one of those heated moments and be like, 
I think I know how to fix this this little spat y'all are having. <laughs> you would be like, what a fucking asshole. And exactly. that's a person who wants to be the president. That's like, all of them. They're Elizabeth, all doing that to the whole country. It's like, I really do not need your plan for this, Elizabeth. No, no, I don't need you here. <laughs> you are not helpful. Yeah. Uh, but who is it that we're talking about today, guys? Pete we again. are talking about, no. yeah, Pete, Pete again. We're, yeah. we're doing a revamp of Pete. Episode uh, two. But this time we're imagining how his life would be different if his first name had been Alex. Sure. And, uh, spoilers, it's uh, shocking how little changes. Wildly different. Um, no, we're, we're talking about Bernard Sanders, uh, yeah. who is uh, definitely like my front favorite candidate. I think Cody's favorite candidate. Yeah. Uh, Katie, he's not, he's not quite number one for you, or is, is that changed? He's, everything changes Everything every day changes. Right um, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching stuff. He's up there. It's him and Elizabeth yeah. Warren for me. I, I really do like him, and I love Elizabeth. I know there's a yeah. lot. Of, we'll get to Elizabeth. There's some mm-hmm. questions about what her Medicare for All plan actually is, blah, 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 but I inherently in the grand do like scheme, her. Yeah. In the grand scheme of like the way the elections would work, we'd all if if Bernie Sanders wound up being the president this time next year, we'd all be like, "Oh, good." Be very happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Be, oh, I'd be right. completely oh, comfortable yeah, yeah. with that eventuality. Yeah, yeah look um, at that. Th- yeah, that that said, we'll we'll be getting into. There's plenty of there's plenty of of darker chapters in the Bernie yeah. Sanders saga, and we'll be doing that like we've done with everybody else. There's no there's no crazy surf cult. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's not going to be that episode. I'd but, high uh, hopes. High hopes for Bernie. It, yeah, that that would be if it turned out he and Tulsi Gabbard were in the same Hawaiian Hindu surf cult. Mm-hmm. That would be it would be devastating. Awesome, that would Allison, be amazing. Awesome. <laughs> no, I, I would be so on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Just like, like fuck it, yes, let's do it. Okay, now I'm on board. Right, we well, got two okay, of them. Yeah. well, let's talk yeah. about double standards then, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if one candidate's part of a of a weird surf cult. Uh, it's just off-putting. But if two candidates are in the same surf cult, uh, suddenly I'm on board this new this new wind-taking American politics. And if three candidates in a weird surf cult all decide yeah. to jump off a bridge, I absolutely <laughs> Joe would Bi- as well. Joe Biden <laughs> just joins too? He's like, well, this seems like the way to go. That's called leadership. This is- it sure is. If Tulsi Le- can get everyone to join that cult. It's called this- lemurship. Okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> oh. lemurs, you know, follow suit. Mm. Cool. I, I didn't get Daniel that joke gave at me all, a, Katie. A thumbs up. Thanks. Lemmings. <laughs> Lemmings. Ding it. <laughs> it's like, what? That's called lemmingship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. We should talk about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> we should talk about Bernie Sanders. Bernard Montgomery Sanders. His middle name is not Montgomery. Yeah, there's no, there's no good. way. He, there's, it's not, but it, I like the way it sounds. I think we're going to pretend that's his middle name. I think it's Bernard. Bernard Mo- I think it's Bernard mm, Sanders. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, like the like the flavor. Yeah. yeah. Marmalade. <laughs> Anyway, Bernard Sanders was born on September 8th, 1941, just a matter of weeks before the U.S. entered World War II. His father was a Jewish Polish immigrant who spoke English with a heavy accent and had come to Brooklyn without a nickel in his pocket. He worked as a paint salesman. The money was not good, and Bernie's mother did not earn an income. Now, Bernie had one elder brother, Larry. Uh, He didn't have much of an extended family because his father's whole family was, you know, wiped out by the Nazis. Sure. Uh, so young Bernard grew up poor and deeply conscious of the reality of genocide. He doesn't recall his parents talking about politics much, but he it was a regular topic of conversation that the Nazis had, you know, killed the rest of the family, mm. um, which is the kind of thing you'd talk about, I would imagine. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Now, young Bernie grew up poor and really, uh, yeah, he, 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 
we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, he was cut from his high school basketball team, uh, which was hard too, although probably less hard than the genocide. Um, so it's a tough childhood uh, all around. Now, Larry was six years older than Bernie and was very politically engaged, and Bernie credits his older brother with introducing him to some of his earliest political ideas. When Bernie was a young teen, Larry took him to meetings of the local college Democrats chapter, and that was sort of his first foray into politics. Um, Money, or lack thereof, was the defining reality of Bernard's childhood. In order to cope with his father's low income, his mother Dorothy had to brutally manage the family budget. Bernie would get in trouble if he bought groceries from stores closer to their apartment with slightly higher prices. Every single article you read about Bernie's early life will mention, often repeatedly, that many of his early mem- earliest memories are of his parents fighting over money. The Sanders family lived paycheck to paycheck, and economic anxiety was a constant through line in his early life. He told one interviewer, quote, There were arguments and more arguments between our parents, painful arguments, bitter arguments, arguments that scared a little boy's brain, that, that seared through a little boy's brain, never to be forgotten. And I think this is one of the things I identify with most about Bernie, because the most, the strongest memories I have of my childhood is of my parents fighting, uh, or even worse, like quietly and nervously talking about money yeah. in their bedroom when they didn't think yeah. I could hear. I think it's um, what a lot of people uh, can really relate yeah. to with Bernie. I mean, it, it is, if you think about it, describing that. And so much of us, yes, have had times of that kind of experience, but how formative it is, what kind of a relationship that establishes, uh, how we see ourselves in the world. Anyway. Yeah. It never leaves you. Like, if yeah, that's something exactly. you have in your childhood, it's with you for the rest of your life. Um, and I don't think it's been with most of the people who have been president. Elizabeth um, Warren, I think, ever. grew up. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren is one tough. candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also yeah. think that sometimes that experience doesn't necessarily uh, push you in that direction. Like, you can. Yeah. You know, a lot of the politicians who have, like, grown up poor, sort of. Uh, view their success as like, well, this is what you have to do. You got to do this and you got to do this. And Within then, the system. Yeah. And then, and it's the stick to the American dream. Look at me as opposed to, I think what he is more pointing to with, of the, like the stress and the anxiety. And that is broken. How the, yeah. That is broken. And how, yeah. how, how it can, how that can just affect every aspect of your life in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I think there's a distinction between it's not just that he grew up poor. It's that he grew up, with that anxiety, because I, I have mm-hmm. friends who grew up kind of in a similar economic situation to me, but they didn't have that experience of their parents sort of arguing and fighting over money. Right. And so it didn't it didn't hit them in quite the same way. I do think that's a critical part of it is that like that had that experience of having the poverty bleed over into every other aspect of your life and right. like experiencing it is this like this this full immersive thing Um I when I think about like the things I like about Bernie Sanders and you know something I like about Warren too, it's the idea of a, a candidate who at least understands that because I think it's a reality for a, a lot of people in this country. Yeah, um, it's that um, it's that yeah. <laughs> the finale of Malcolm in the Middle where uh, yes, they're uh, they're literally covered in uh, shit and like rotting animal <laughs> corpses, and uh, she's talking about how like Malcolm, you're going to be the president, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to have to because you, you will be the only one who's ever been in that position who will know what it's like to live like we've lived and to be like looked down on uh, no matter how hard you try or no matter what you do uh, because of our position in life. Um, and every time I see, see that, I'm like, yep, that's, that's what it is. That's it's what Bernie it is. Bernie right up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, back to Bernie. Um, the neighborhood he grew up in was a mix of secular Jewish families, Italians, and Irish immigrants. Most of them were middle class, and Bernie generally describes his family as lower middle class. They seem to have been the poorest or some of the poorest folks on the block. Um, Bernie's mother, Dorothy, was not happy with their living situation. She pushed her sons to work hard in school so that they could do better than she and her husband had done. Bernie later recalled... My mother's dream was that someday our family would move out of that rent-controlled apartment to a home of our own. That dream was never fulfilled. This is a kid who grows up knowing that the American dream is is not a reality for a lot of people. Yeah. Now, in school, Bernie excelled at distance running. He was a natural leader on the track team and fairly popular. He got into his first election during his senior year, a run for student body president. His platform was focused around a promise to raise money for a Korean orphan whose parents had died in the war. Sanders lost, but the person who won took his idea and executed it, starting a pattern that became emblematic of his career. So, really, the whole thing losing and (coughs) oh yeah, it's it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's him to a T. It's every it's everything Mm -hmm. everything he does. Well, and you if you if you if you talk if you know Beltway people, one thing they all say about Bernie is you cannot keep him away from Korean immigrants. Mm -hmm. Like he is he is always surrounded uh, by young. Orphan Korean children. Yeah, it's his trademark. He um, won't stop writing it's his them. Trademark. He won't stop yeah. reading from them. Some people, it's been very peaceful in Korea for a long time, so no one really knows where he gets so many of those orphans. It's uh, it's part of the mystique, the burning mystique. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, now, no, no middle name and where those orphans come from. <laughs> why, why are there so many orphans around you? Mm. Yeah, those are the two things. Now, Bernie graduated from James Madison High School in 1959, 10 years before the first time it was ever actually cool to be a young adult. Uh, He'd wanted to go to the University of Chicago, but he picked Brooklyn College because right as he graduated, his mother took ill. Bernie's friends recalled that in his last year of high school, he was increasingly late to track practice and abnormally silent. His mother died when he was just 18. Mm. And this is something that always comes up in articles about Bernie, usually alongside theorizing that this had an impact on his support for universal health care. And it probably did. Um, Bernie, understandably, does not talk much about this himself, yeah. Um, which, yeah, why would you want to? To hundreds of millions of people. Right. Yeah, it's a private thing. Um, Now, with his mother gone, Bernie decided it was time to escape the neighborhood he'd grown up in. He left the state, and he finally started taking classes at the University of Chicago. Uh, He joined a dizzying variety of left-wing groups, the Congress for Racial Equality, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the Student Peace Union, and the Young People's Socialist League. He protested against the college's segregated housing and against segregated public schools. He was arrested at one of these marches and charged with resisting arrest. The fine was $25, or approximately $2.3 million in modern money. <laughs> so, you know, he's, 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 you would call him, a, it seems like a good ally, uh, put his skin out there um, some yeah. during, the, during the civil rights movement years. So, you know, you get, you get points for that. Before everybody now, was talking about being a good ally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, in Chicago, he met Deborah Sanders. In 1964, uh, the year he graduated, he married her. Now, Bernie was just 23, and his father had just died, leaving him, leaving him a very small inheritance. Bernie and Deborah took the money, which was about $2,500, and used it to buy property known near Montpellier. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those cities. One of Mount Pillars. Mount, the Na- Mountain of Mount Pillars Pellier. in Vermont. He bought a mountain made out of pillars in mm-hmm. Vermont, right. uh, and he wanted to live out in the country at this point, away from the city and experience you know, a different sort of life. 
And for two years, he and Deborah lived in an old maple sugar shack with a dirt floor, um, like basically a hovel. Uh, they divorced in 1966, but there don't seem to be hard feelings. In 2016, she told the Daily Mail, I really don't want to say much. All I can say is I believe in Bernie Sanders and I am a strong supporter. I so, mean, you, they were young and lived in a Yeah, they were lo- young and lived in a whatever. dirt shack. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. One thing you will get from Bernie at this period is that uh, it doesn't seem like his relationships ended badly. But it does seem like he was kind of bad at providing a comfortable environment, and a lot of it, I'm going to guess that might have had an a, a factor in the way that things didn't work out. Yeah. A lot of people were like, "I don't really want to live in the dirt building with you, Bernie." Yeah, I mean, as <laughs> as he learned growing up, uh, economic yeah. anxiety can put a strain mm-hmm. on relationships. I love your idealism, but I need more, mm-hmm. like a bed. Yeah. Like a floor, you know, not a lot. <laughs> I, I'm all, I'm on board with 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 less, but maybe a floor. Maybe that's what uh, drove him to want to be the president. He's like, fine, I'm, I'll get, I'll be in the house. Then I can't I'll give get, you a house. I'll, I'll get, get the White I'll, House. I'll get you a house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is all just tr- this is all just part of Bernie's long con to get a floor. He's, he's just trying <laughs> <laughs> to get a floor so that he can get Debbie back. That's the plan. Yeah, he wants to get Debbie back. You know, Deborah. Mm-hmm. This this house is full of floors. Yep. There's no there's not a not a dirt floor in sight. Mm-mm. Now, Bernie stayed in Vermont after the divorce. In March of 1969, he bought another property, even further away from civilization. Four days after buying it, his first son, Levi Noah Sanders, was born to a woman named Susan Mott. Now, during this time, Bernie worked mostly as a carpenter. And he was, by all accounts, terrible at this job. <laughs> People who are still his friends today, who have been his constant supporters for decades, all agree he was a garbage carpenter. <laughs> um, so Bernie, do not hire Bernie Sanders to build you a bookcase. Mm, um, I still might. That is, right. he's he's like the opposite <laughs> I of mean, Harrison Ford. It would be a Ford. great story. But... Exactly. It would be kind of cool if he and Harrison Ford opened up like a carpentry shop. Absolutely. Um, but not if you got Bernie on one of those days. You would really want Harrison doing the job. <laughs> now, uh, Bernie also worked as a writer and was slightly better at this job. But as we'll cover later, not a lot. Uh, he, he made very little money at this point in time. And he never really found a career for himself until at age 30 he stumbled into politics. Uh, on October 23rd, 1971, Bernie went to a meeting of a political party called the Liberty Union. Uh, this was an anti-war party active in Plainfield, Vermont, where he and Susan lived. Now, during the meeting, a call went out for someone, anyone, to run for U.S. Senate under the party platform. No one else seemed particularly interested, and Bernie volunteered. Um, so this is his his entrance into politics. Now, he was not a natural campaigner. Um, during his first radio interview, he was so frightened that the microphone picked up the sound of his knees hitting against the table. He wrote in his book, <laughs> Outsider in the House, a strange thumping noise traversed the airwaves, and the few calls that came in expressed no doubt that this career was to be short-lived. Who is this guy? One of the listeners asked. So he's not hes not one of these people whose charisma immediately, everyone's like, this man's going to be president one day. Uh, yeah, he kind of yeah. seems like a gawky, nerdy socialist guy kid who lives in a dirt shack yeah he's just a passionate weirdo you gotta you gotta yeah. listen to what I mean, he, he says first he looked like he was 80 at 30 yeah Not he's really, he has he... looked the same age since about 1975 yeah yeah now bernie ran for senate in a 1972 special election and he failed uh he ran again for governor the same year and he failed at that 
Then he ran for Senate again in 1974, and he failed. Uh, and he ran for governor again in 1976, and he failed. At no point did he get more than 6% of the vote. Um, so he's th- not, you wouldn't say, great at this so far. Um, um, I was going to mention this in my section when I get into the sure. politics of it. But yeah, in his um, 1976 gubernatorial run, uh, he ended up getting, a, I think, like 11,000 votes, which is not it's enough. It's more than Pete ever got. Um, okay. it, it is literally more than, than Pete ever got. Um, yeah. But that was like the high point, I think, of the Liberty Union Party's mm-hmm. uh engagement mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. It also kind of uh, siphoned off votes from the Democratic challenger and the Republican one. Sure. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, that is interesting that uh, even his failed campaigns got more votes than Pete Buttigieg's successful mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if he took really awkward photos in front of the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin. Hmm. I bet he didn't. I bet he did. I, I think maybe yeah. maybe Pete has a lock on that. <laughs> now, oh, but maybe it's something Bernie did, but like Pete, he, Pete copied it, and mm. he's gonna. It's like it's like it's like with the it's like with the orphan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Bernie's just being like, ah, damn it, that was my thing. I to take credit for that. I had my wife talking about how sexy I was in front of the monument to the greatest crime in human history. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, influencer photos in front of the Holocaust Museum for. All who wanted. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see President Trump selfie in front of the Holocaust Museum. That's going to be a real, it's going to be a real treat. Well, he's a I real treat. It's, so. it's, I, I bet it's going to be, gonna be w- where he treat. chooses to plug Michelle Malkin's new book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so yeah, while, while Bernie threw himself running into office, he barely managed to keep his small family alive. Uh, he did have a floor at this point, so you could yes. say he'd moved on up. Hey, uh, hell yeah. He rented a, a brick duplex that had basically no furniture or food in it. Who needs it? Um, most Got a of, floor. Yeah, most of his friends say it was just library cards and notebooks full of scribblings. <laughs> so, yeah, Bernie's that guy. Um, his son, Levi, who I have to tell you, his son apparently always called him Bernard. Um, cool. never well, yeah. Else. <laughs> I yeah, feel like yeah. if my dad was named Bernard, I would absolutely mm. do that. <laughs> Yeah. Now his son Levi had an upstairs bedroom, and Bernie shared custody with Mott. And um, the the nature of their relationship is kind of unclear, I think, to everybody. Which is not our 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 business. I've never heard any allegations that she like hates him or anything. Um, but you, one thing you will find if you look for anti Bernie sort of interpretations of his background, which I did because that's part of our job yeah. on this, um, is that he was this this sort of idea that he was a deadbeat dad during this period. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there is a little bit of evidence for aspects of this. Uh, Darcy Trovel, one of his fellow Liberty Union members, described his apartment in this period as stark and dark. Another friend said, the electricity was turned off a lot. I remember him running an extension cord down to the basement. He couldn't pay his bills. So Bernie is like stealing his power and not able to like keep I mean... keep the lights on when he's taking his kids. Yeah, you know... <laughs> I mean, do you, 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 you gotta do. I have a different, I do, slightly connotation of what a deadbeat dad is. In a oh, I'm, way. I, there's more. Oh, there's more. Yeah, Please there's continue. a little. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I will say for the record, I kind of want a president who had to steal power at some point <laughs> too. Um, <laughs> speaking as someone who has stolen a lot of electricity <laughs> from a variety of buildings over the years, um, in fact, sometimes you just steal electricity just for the love of the game, you know. 
Yeah, you know, just, even if you don't need to steal it anymore, yeah, you're like, you mm, yeah, I need that. Yeah, just just that to fuck j- over the library jolt a little of bit. Excitement. Yeah. yeah, you just need to feel, mm-hmm. just to feel mm-hmm. for one feel second, alive just again. one second. Yeah. Now, uh, Mott was apparently, uh, which is his his son's mom, and I guess on again, quasi relationshipy. It's very unclear what the extent of their relationship was, but she was around regularly, uh, which suggests that she and Bernie had a decent relationship. Um, the piece of evidence you'll see most regularly cited to suggest that Bernie, you know, was a deadbeat dad, failed in his duties as a provider, uh, was a testimonial in a local Vermont paper from 1971. Now, this was over a tenant's rights bill, and uh, the testimony was by Susan Mott. Uh, in the newspaper, she complains that the bill does not go far enough to protect single mothers on welfare. Um, so it's basically her being like, I, I, I think this tenant's rights bill isn't good because, you know, I'm a single mother on welfare and it's not going to do enough for me. So people who do not like Bernie have taken this, the fact that, you know, his, uh, uh, the mother of his child was living as a single mother on welfare and, and identifying that way as evidence that Bernie was, yeah, a deadbeat dad. I mean, um, the article that I found on vetting Bernie 2020, uh, went by the title, Deadbeat Dad, How Bernie's Craven Political Ambition Kept Him From Supporting His Young Child. So it's not mm. not a subtle not a subtle take. Yeah. Now that doesn't sound fair. What 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 side of the political spectrum do you think that came from? Very liberal. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right, Katie. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Vetting Bernie twenty twenty is a project of the people's view an organization with the slogan, Restoration, Not Revolution. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty It's cool. pretty inane. Yeah, I bet they love Pete Buttigieg's picture in front of the so, Holocaust Memorial. I think, I say, we take their perspective with a lot of grains of salt. I mean, that yeah. headline... Uh, Deadbeat Dad, How Bernie's Craven Political I, I Ambition Kept somebody, Him From Supporting yeah, His Young Child. With, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you think that's biased? So, somebody not having the money, like, like his wa- wife or his ex, whomever, whatever she, their relationship yeah, his, was. His, his ex-girlfriend, her, yeah. Her, her being on welfare and considering herself, calling herself a single mom does not make Bernie a deadbeat dad. It means that they're both I would poor. say that's a stretch. Um, it means they're poor as I, shit. I yeah. could see Bernie being an absent-minded dad. I could see Bernie I'm being really cerebral. I could see him being difficult. As a dad, I, I suspect he was, but yeah. not yeah. somebody that forgets, you know. Yeah, I mean, he stole a about no. his child for, for his family. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, it bills itself as a progressive and liberal Democratic source on the web, uh, but seems to mostly focus on smearing Bernie Sanders and to a lesser okay. extent attacking Elizabeth Warren. Interesting. Uh, and the works. the editor in chief seems to have deep ties to the healthcare industry. Very so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we need to know about that. Oh man. Uh, tale as old as time. Every, song as old as Ryan. Every single time. Uh, that was good uh, the, stuff. I'm, tr- I'm yeah. also in researching this. I was trying to find like, all right, give me mm-hmm. the give me the good stuff. They're What's like, the really, dirt? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And almost everything is just a version of what you just described. Yeah. No, there is there is some actual dirty, dirty dirt that we will be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Dirtier than his floors. Here. Uh, no, but that is hard to do because his mean, floors literal were literal dirt. dirt. Yeah. yeah, it was just dirt. Um, but you know, this is this is something that some people will attack him on, and whether or not you think, it, I, I will note that this is basically the attack that 
uh, growing up, all conservatives had for all socialists is mm-hmm. that they they were all exactly like Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. uh, living in sin out of wedlock with their their the mother of their child and uh, it, subsisting on welfare and stealing power. Um, so he is absolutely that guy. Yeah, you do have not, to acknowledge not doing that. Any favors with that. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was a hundred percent that guy. Um, but that is also why a lot of people love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not you do depends on your your views on that sort of thing. Yeah. But you know what you should love regardless of your views. Products and services. The products and services yes. that ever we can all socialist, capitalist, communist, Marxist. Khmer Rouge, we can all agree <laughs> that products and services are a necessary part of society. Can't live without them? If, if I'm remembering I the Khmer Rouge, can. they were mm-hmm. big fans of advertising. So I do. Smile a thought to Pol Pot and listen to these ads. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. But yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Talking about Bernie Um, Sanders. Tell us the next exciting chapter, Robert. Let's, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, Bernie, Bernie is clearly a guy who's willing to sacrifice personal comfort and the comfort of his family for the sake of, of pushing forward on his political ideals. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the kind of guy he is at this period. Yeah. Um, now, from the beginning, he described himself as a 1930s radical, not a 1960s radical. Um, 
the hippie era kind of passed him by. He was never the kind of like free love peacenik sort of guy. Uh, he was always kind of an old style labor loving rabble rousing socialist. Yeah. Um, he was the kind of guy who in 1920s would have gotten into gunfights with mine owners. Um, that's the that's the sort of sort of fella Papa Bernie is. <laughs> Um, now, his speeches from this time are incredibly consistent with things he says today. Uh, and in fact, I don't think you'll notice any difference in anything he's saying. Like, this could all come from 2019. But yep. I'm going to read you a quote from the Bennington Banner uh, in 1971. This is what he told them. In America today, if we wanted to, we could wipe out economic hardship almost overnight. We could have free medical care, excellent schools, and decent housing for all. The problem is that the great wealth and potential of this country rests with a handful of people. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's been he's been on the exact same line for the entirety of his career. And I think yeah, um, that's something. I guess we we all know that. And then preparing for this, yeah, we'll I, talk I've about reminded it more too, that yeah, but, but yeah. it is certainly something um, to admire about him. I think personally. Yeah. Um. Even their yeah. their ads take advantage of it a lot too, where you basically uh, take a speech from the 80s that he's given and a speech from two years ago and they yeah. splice it together basically and, and you can't like tell every, because every again line. he's looked exactly the same looked exactly the for same for 30 years same so. film quality but uh yeah one interesting thing is that while it's true he's been talking about a lot of the same things if you actually look into his record and again this is coming up later there's some shit that he did and that he does that is yeah. very inconsistent with the image he portrays which yeah. is one of the things we'll be we'll be talking about a little later yeah. so that is that is an interesting thing yeah. To keep in mind. Yes. All right, continue. Um, now, for years, Bernie ran unsuccessful campaigns and barely managed to make a living through a combination of welfare and freelance writing. His main employer was the Vermont Freeman, uh, an alt-weekly paper in Burlington. One of the articles he wrote for this little, uh, which was effectively a zine, wound up biting him in the ass come the 2016 election. It was called Man and Woman. And I'm going to read the entirety of this column. Oh, uh, I was going to try to do it in my best Bernie Sanders voice, but I don't have a Bernie Sanders voice. No, don't worry about so it. So I don't think I'm going to try. That's all right. But I'm going to read this. Can you, so, tr- can you just try it like, just like the opening line? Give it a go, Robert. <laughs> a man goes home and masturbates in his typical fantasy. Oh, a woman on her knees. A woman tied up. A woman abused. See, that's a terrible Bernie it's Sanders It's not bad, accent. but... I. There's no, a lot really going bad, on Katie. here with what you're actually saying. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> a woman enjoys intercourse with her man. Katie. Yeah. A woman enjoys intercourse with her man as she fantasizes about being raped. Yeah, raped by three men simultaneously. We... That's the line that you run into a lot. <sighs> this man and woman get dressed up on Sunday and go to church, or maybe to their revolutionary political meeting. Have you ever looked at the stag man hero tough magazines on the shelf of your local bookstore? Do you know why the newspapers with the articles like "Girl Twelve Raped by Fourteen Men" sell so well? To what in us are they appealing? Women, for their own preservation, are trying to pull themselves together, and it's necessary for all of humanity that they do so. Slavishness on one hand breeds pigness on the other hand. Pigness on one hand breeds slavishness on the other. Men and women, both are losers. Women adapt themselves to fill the needs of men, and men adapt themselves to fill the needs of women. In the beginning, there were strong men who killed the animals and brought home the food, and the dependent women who cooked it. 
No more. Only the roles remain, waiting to be shaken off. There are no human oppressors. Oppressors have lost their humanity. On one hand, slavishness. On the other hand, pigness. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Who wins? Many women seem to be walking a tightrope now. Their qualities of love, openness, and gentleness were too deeply enmeshed with the qualities of dependency, subservience, and masochism. How do you love without being dependent? How do you be gentle without being subservient? How do you maintain a relationship without giving up your identity? without getting strung out how do you reach out and give your heart to your lover but maintain the soul which is you and men men are in pain too they are thinking wondering what is it they want from a woman are they at fault are they perpetrating this man woman situation are they oppressors the man is bitter you lied to me he said she did in parentheses (laughs) you said that you loved me that you wanted me that you needed me these those are your words they are but is real in reality, he said, if you ever loved me or wanted me or needed me, all of which I'm not certain was ever true, you also hated me. You hated me just as you have hated every man in your entire life, but you didn't have the guts to tell me that. You hated me before you ever saw me, even though I was not your father or your teacher or your sex friend when you were 13 years old or your husband. You hated me be- not because of who I am or what I was to you, but because I am a man. You did not deal with me as a person, as me. You lived a lie with me. Use me and play games with me, and that's a piggy thing to do. And she said, you wanted me not as a woman or a lover or a friend, but as a submissive woman or a submissive friend or a submissive lover. And right now where I head is, uh, and right now where my head is, I balk at even the slightest suspicion of that kind of demand. And he said, you're full of shit. <laughs> and they never again made love together, which they had each liked to do more than anything, or never saw each other uh, ever even one more time. And that's the end of the column. There's a lot to unpack There's here. a lot going on there. I think Bernie was having some real problems with his relationships at that point, and I think he got paid like $5 to write a column mm-hmm. about it. And it I'm going to say it. He's not the best writer. <laughs> he's not a great... No, like I said, he's he was bad at carpentry, and he was not very good at writing. <laughs> like, Oh, man. Yeah, he definitely was had some frustrating relationships shit going on. Yeah. Uh, he he was having trouble there. Uh, kind of grateful that he didn't have the internet. And some <laughs> big mm-hmm. some big ideas that are worth exploring, but then kind of lost the thread. <laughs> There's definitely some aspects worth exploring in there, and the, some aspects that are just like Bernie, man, you need to talk Ooh. about this with your girlfriend. Right, this, right, this right. Is, this is clearly a y'all sort of thing. And it yeah. is very intense, and I can see why he'd have trouble in relationships. I don't know. Yeah, and the, yeah, I think the the not being great writer aspect sort of uh, <laughs> exacerbates con- it. Yeah, it contributes to just being like, oh, you're. I think you might have a point, but I don't think you're doing it, buddy. Well, then you lost the point. And then you lost. Yeah, exactly. Third. Year old, your sex, uh, your thir- a- your sex friend w- when you're 13 mm-hmm. years old. How old were you, Bernie? So I'm yeah, you know, there's like 13, an apparently. element of that that I yeah that I, like yeah. It, th- there's there's a, a couple of elements of this that are like you can identify this, and there are some that like Bernie, you're talking about some real specific stuff yeah. in this column right, right. for an alt weekly <laughs> that you wrote. <laughs> This seems like an individual person that you're arguing with through the pages of this newspaper. <laughs> like, yeah, every quote is like, hmm, who said that, Bernie? Bernie. Yeah. Who said that? You know, uh, it's a bad article. Um, which is <laughs> how, when it when it came back up, I think Mother Jones is the one who published it, and it was, you know, briefly a big story. And Bernie's apology for it, he basically said, it was a dumb article then, and it's a dumb article now. Uh, which is, yeah, that, that, that's, that's about where I am. Not accurate, yeah. No. 
Um, obviously, I don't think that should change anyone's opinion about whether or not to vote for him. Uh, a, a, a shitty article he wrote when he was 30. Um, but it is a definitely a dumb article. <laughs> and it's a delight to share. It's a delight, it's a to, delight share. to share. Really, I wish I had a good Bernie Sanders accent, but I don't. I do feel like and it I... would have uh, really detracted from what was actually being said. Um, if you, yeah, if we you, needed you. you, you yeah. I'm, I'm pleased I, that you I, gave I, it a shot. But... I briefly considered reading it as Sean Connery, but oh. there's uh, some mm. unfortunate implications that's there. For, yeah, that's so. for a live show sometime. <laughs> yeah. There were, there yeah, were moments yeah. in that where I'm like, Sean Connery would say that. And he'd say it yeah, now. Yeah, there were some moments like, there where sh- I think Sean Connery has shouted that to multiple women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we should get Sean Connery to read it someday. Anyway, please continue, Can Robert. we get him on the pod? <laughs> yes. Let's see what Sean Connery thinks about Pete Booty. No, let's not. Sophie's nodding yes. Nope. She's saying no. yes, we're going to do it now. She's shaking her head yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Back to Bernie. Now, in 1974, uh, Bernie wrote an article for the Bennington Banner advocating the removal of time limitations for unemployment benefits. He'd been on unemployment for several months in 1971. Whether or not you consider this all a bad thing uh, is, you know, uh, depends on your political perspective. But he definitely advocated for uh, looser restrictions on welfare as a result of his experience living on welfare. Mm-hmm. Um Now, by 1971, Bernie's political career was out of gas. He'd spent his entire adult adult life broke as fuck, and he had very little to show for it. So he quit the Liberty Union and started his own business, making cheap short films about Vermont and New England, focusing on issues that he felt were ignored by the schools. He called it the American People's History Society. He advertised for his nonprofit via pamphlet. His biggest project was a 30-minute color documentary about Eugene Debs, an American socialist who ran for president from prison. He's a pretty cool dude, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly, like, Bernie's political hero. Um, now, for three years, Bernie tried to make this new venture work. He considered himself out of politics. But then, in 1980, his friend Richard Sugarman, a college professor, showed him a breakdown of the vote tallies from his past elections. He pointed out that while Bernie's statewide numbers were crap, he'd done really well in the city of Burlington. Maybe he should just run for mayor, or perhaps president of the coat factory. Mm. Um, They're more than so, just great coats, yeah, I've heard. No, no, just coats, nothing else. Okay. Well. Whatever else they tell you is a lie. Okay. Now, uh, Bernie decided to run for mayor, uh, and he won by 10 votes uh, in March of 1981. Classic Bernie. And overnight, yeah, classic Bernie. I hope it happens again, but by 10 million, because uh, if it's just by 10 votes, that might provoke uh, horrible, unspeakable violence. Um, so, uh, he, he, yeah, he won by 10 votes in March of 1981, uh, and overnight, Bernie became a national news story. The same year, uh, Ronald Reagan had taken office, uh, and so it was kind of a big deal that in that same year, an avowed socialist had won an election in Vermont. Uh, Rolling Stone called him the Red Mayor in the Green Mountains, which is... Sounds like a Ralph Bakshi movie. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Bernie made news all over the Sounds country. Sounds like a he scary even made it... article. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Uh, I, I think they were being positive. It was yeah. Rolling Stone in the 80s. Right, so. right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Bernie made news all over the country. He made it into Doonesbury. Uh, he also started making a real salary for the first time in his life, $33,800 a year. Um, so no more dirt floors for Bernie. All right. Moving Congratulations, up. Bernie. Yeah. He's stealing power from the nice buildings now. (laughs) Now, uh, Bernie would go on to win several more elections. In 1988, the mayor of Burlington finally married the woman who is still his wife today, Jane Sanders. 
Their honeymoon, appropriately enough, was a trip to the United to the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Romantic. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I take all of my my first dates to the USSR, <laughs> which requires a time machine, which requires time machine noises. I mean Yep, that's the one God damn it, boys That's the one Those are the time machine noises that keep me single for Stop it! (laughs) It's time to stop (laughs) Even Anderson got up and was like, no It it was deeply uncomfortable over the over so bad. Yeah, that one was really bad I blame you, Robert You brought this on to us You You should blame me but I feel like my punishment was hearing Cody make a sound that was clearly the sound of an erect penis banging around in between somebody's thighs. Oh, uh, you knew. Which is exactly how that sounded. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> which is how a time machine sounds. Yeah, um, look, I'm not the scientist here. I didn't invent time travel. I'm just... No, Doc Brown did, and he's a notorious pervert. Exactly. Pervert. Two thumbs down on this whole bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a terrible bit. Uh, Sanders framed this 10-day visit to the USSR as a cultural exchange, observing the strengths of both systems and trying to learn from them. Uh, he also criticized, uh, yeah, his honeymoon to the USSR to learn about politics. Cultural He's exchange. not a not a classic romantic. I just don't know why his relationships don't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, he criticized his own country while he was on uh, foreign soil uh, with his nation's biggest enemy, which pissed off a lot of people. Uh, I'm going to quote now from a Washington Post article on the trip. As he stood on Soviet soil, Sanders, then 46 years old, criticized the cost of housing and health care in the United States while lauding the lower prices, but not the quality of that available in the Soviet Union. Then at a banquet attended by about 100 people, Sanders blasted the way the United States had intervened in other countries, stunning one of those who had accompanied him. I got really upset and walked out, said David F. Kelly, who had helped arrange the trip and was the only Republican in Sanders' entourage. When you are a critic of your country, you can say anything you want on home soil. At that point, the Cold War wasn't over, the arms race wasn't over, and I just wasn't comfortable with it. Mm. So, uh, I don't have an issue with that, but uh, other people did. Yeah, um, so uh, Sanders, um, one of the things people criticized him for uh, is that he was kind of like making foreign policy statements in, in attitude, taking foreign policy attitudes, uh, even though he was the mayor of Burlington. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a city of 40,000 people with no connections to the, the outside world. Most Americans don't know Burlington as anything but a coat factory. Um but he had, as mayor, a foreign policy, uh, because as Bernie said, I saw no magic line separating local, state, national, and international issues. How could issues of war and peace not be a local issue? Mm. So that was his justification for that. Um, maybe Vermont was just boring. Might be right. a more realistic explanation. But either way, the trip had its origins in a visit that a Soviet choir had made to Burlington the year before. Uh, Sanders had taken stage during their performance and said, this is the enemy to the crowd. Um, the goal of the visit was apparently to find a sister city for Burlington in the Soviet Union. Um, and yeah, it, it seemed to be a good trip. Uh, and it would prove to be a critical time for Mayor Sanders for a number of reasons. Uh, Bernie was impressed by the Soviet attention to public health care and public housing, but he wasn't very impressed by the obviously terrible quality of the homes themselves and of everything else in the Soviet Union. Um, it wasn't doing great by that point. Yeah, no. I think that's kind of uh, relevant. Yeah. Like, even the article pointed out like yeah yeah he didn't praise the quality of it it was just yeah the price. He, yeah 
Yeah, he was not, it would be inaccurate to say that he came there and was just like a, a dyed-in-the-wool communist. He was a guy that was like, oh, these guys got some things right that we're not getting right, and maybe we could all learn from each other and have a make better systems for ourselves. Speaking of the Soviet Union, you know what the Soviet Union loved? Products and services. Advertisements for products and services. <laughs> yep, if, if, if there's one thing the Soviet Union loved, it was advertising. Mm-hmm. Huge fans of advertising. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So, Get those private companies advertising. Enjoy a double dose of classic Soviet capitalism. Yes. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. talking about Bernie Sanders in the Soviet people's paradise uh, where he got naked uh, and drunk and sang Woody Guthrie songs with a bunch of Soviet oil workers, um, <laughs> which sounds like a night I wish I'd been at. I Again, bet that was a fun one. What a romantic yeah. honeymoon. <laughs> what, a, what a great honeymoon. You're just there with your beloved who can't stop talking about socialism and Woody Guthrie and hanging out shirtless with Soviet oil workers. Uh, God, yeah, that's the life. Yeah. Hey, that, teach their own. She seems very happy. <laughs> okay, let's continue. She does. She does. Now, uh, I'm going to quote from the Washington Post again, describing this, this beautiful moment, which is on videotape, and you can watch for yourself. Mm-hmm. On one of the last days of the trip, officials in Yaroslavl took the Vermonters to a workers' retreat in an oil refinery for a classic Russian celebration, a trip to the sauna and a bath in cold water. 
Wrapping themselves in towels and then putting on Togish-style sheets, Sanders and his colleagues gathered around a table lined with vodka bottles. A video of the event shows Sanders, bare-chested, listening in delight to Russian folk songs. In response, Sanders and other Americans sang the Woody Guthrie ballad, This Land is Your Land. It would have been a normal, boring kind of diplomatic exchange, except we had just come out of the sauna, he said, and I think we were probably naked in the sauna. I certainly hadn't brought a bathing suit. We were bare-chested with towels on. Alan Rubin, an internist who was on the trip, recalled it similarly, saying, I remember the togas, the vodkas. I don't remember anyone not drinking vodka. Sanders, he says, was as jolly and light. I don't think we see that often. He is genuinely that way. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. After some vodkas and a sauna, that's, sure, who wouldn't be that I, way? I see him jolly and light, usually. But. He's so uh, disapproving I looking. I don't, I don't see him naked full of vodka a lot, but. <laughs> All right. I One day. wish we saw him that way more. Inauguration day. Yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed. Na- we'll be, we, we, I, you know what? This is my promise to the listeners of this podcast. I will be on camera, naked and filled with vodka, if Bernie Sanders gets inaugurated next year. Um, <laughs> I believe I, it. I will make that happen. Uh, we will build a sauna. So keep that in mind um, when you're voting. So keep that in mind if when you you're want voting. That or not? Yeah, just yep. throw it out there. And if little, if little Pete Buttigieg. If Pete Buttigieg wins, I will take a cringeworthy selfie at the Berlin Holocaust Memorial. <laughs> so, You'll do the dance. Do the You'll dance? do the Pete dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll do the Pete dance on on one of the yeah. markers. You'll go to you'll go to Applebee's. Great tragedy at uh, at night and and sing songs from Rent on the table. Fine. Yeah, either that or maybe 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 actually we could all go to da- Dachau and get a video of me dabbing. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. That'll be appropriate. so many options. All right, I want to hear more yeah, about Bernie yeah. though. So, uh, in his job as mayor of Burlington, though, uh, Bernie was not always the man Woody Guthrie would have wanted him to be. When dozens of anti-war activists marched on the local GE plant, which manufactured Gatling guns that were being used to suppress socialist movements in Central America, Bernie Sanders sided with the union leaders and the plant. According to Jim Condon, a friend of Sanders and a Vermont legislator, quote, there were protesters who were unhappy that General Electric was manufacturing Gatling guns at the plant, and so they would lock themselves to the gates and engage in civil disobedience. And so the mayor, Bernie, finally got the cops to go in and arrest the protesters. Mm-hmm. The GE plant was one of the largest providers of jobs in the city, so it was economically important that the plant stay open and the people who worked there went to work. Bernie himself said of this decision, I'm not going to throw 3,000 people out of their jobs at union wages and create a depression. He added in another interview, you cannot split the movement and push workers to one side and have peace activists on the other side. You can, now, you, if you put them in jail, you can. <coughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a complicated moment it in his history. It is complicated. Um, and I found that quote in a Daily Beast article titled, Bernie Sanders Loves This $1 Trillion War Machine. Uh, it's about the F-35 stealth fighter plane, uh, which the, the program is headquartered in Vermont. And this plane is one of, if not the most famous boondoggles in the history of military spending. Um, it's like a trillion dollars. It's, it's, a, a, it's enough money to fix a significant chunk of this nation's infrastructure problems over budget um, and will probably never be a useful machine of war. Yeah, it's a disgusting um, when thing it is that finished. exists. It's, it's a disgusting and like indefensible waste of resources uh, for the species. Um, uh, on par of any other stupid thing that's ever been done. Um, and it is also, uh, I, I should state, uh, a plane that would only be useful in a kind of war that would end human civilization. Mm. We, we don't need an F-35 to fight the Taliban. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> well, not a lot of stealth fighters doing good in that war, but... <laughs> we can make them, though. 
can spend the money. But we on can them. make them. We can spend all the money we're not spending on Flint's water supply mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. This is a good country. Um, so Bernie's a big fan of this plane um, because it provides a lot of jobs in his state. Um, in his 2012 re-election campaign, Bernie ran against a Republican who was against constructing the F-35 since it was a waste of money. Bernie's argument for the F-35 was that this was the plane of record. It was going to be used and go somewhere, and it had to go somewhere in the U.S., and so he thought it might as well feed money into Vermont. Um so we're not talking about a guy who's uncompromising in his ideology, right. um, nor are we talking a guy who's quite as consistent as he might want you to believe. Um, I think that because there's he's, positives and yeah. pluses and negatives to to this, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is disappointing in some aspects because we see him as this hard line, uncompromising yeah. person. And, and that's a fear. You think you want your... Uh, president to be able to, to you're going to have to compromise so i guess there is something good about that but also yeah it's disappointing to see he's not quite the you know hasn't isn't always the person yeah. that he <clears throat> makes out especially to be. with this particular like with this the other yeah. like that is uh but i do i do everybody understand knows about that and how we do not need to make that but, but he's a politician yeah. and you're playing yeah. the political game anyway. and it speaks a lot to his just his approach to pretty much everything is yeah. that of like framing it uh, in the economic view and being like, well, I don't want to shut down this plant, so I'm going to do this. And it's all it all sort of comes back to the economy and jobs for him, it yeah. seems. Anyway. Yeah, well, because he's, um, he's a uh, – uh, one of the things that like when uh, conservatives get on is they, they, they'll call him a communist or something like, or say that he's for some like – like he's, he's not. He's not in favor of some global workers' revolution. Right. He's a guy who wants to make the United States work and thinks that common sense socialist policies right. will make the United States work. And I think that's better than what we have. Um, this is where I run into issues with him because I don't think he made the right call. I think he probably – like on an objective political level in terms of getting reelected and, sure. and right. maintaining his support in Burlington, yeah, I'm sure that was the right call. Um, in terms of morality, I don't think it was the right, right. call. Um and he's made other calls like that. In 1996, he voted against a bill that would have prohibited the purchasing of tanks and armored car- carriers by police. Um, so he's uh, not always, you know, and he, he said stuff like talking about, like, you, you need to have a, a border in order to be a nation. Like, he's a, he's a pro-borders guy, and I, I, I'm i generally not. So he's yeah. he's not a, a wild-eyed radical. He's a guy who has been making a, a pretty reasonable and middle of the road, which should be in a sane country, would be a middle of the road sort of statement about the way things need to change to make our society functional. Um, and it's it's wild to me that he's considered such a fringe candidate by so many people because he's he's really that that's really as much of a sign of how fucked up politics are as anything. Because um, he's he's not he's not far out in the weeds like like with a Che Guevara tattoo on his lower right. back. Um, you know, he's he's pretty much just like, oh, it'd be neat if we could take some of these things that work about socialism and stick them on our capitalism to make it better because it's fucked up now. Yeah, right. it's just healthcare yeah. and housing and unions. <laughs> like, that's his yeah. deal. And he's okay with those unions making Gatling guns to suppress socialist governments in Latin America. Apparently. You know, it's not his preference, but he's he's not going to, he's not going right. to, he's not going to go to the mat against it. Bites the bullet, um, now so he's got <laughs> better on some of that, you know. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the kind of guy Bernie is. Um, and I should note that you, you know a lot of this was taking these stances was 
probably not in line with his wishes. I'm sure he would have preferred to have shut down that plant too. But uh, Burlington, despite its reputation, is a pretty working-class town. Um, It's not a hippie left-wing stronghold, and Bernie faced significant opposition after taking office there. Uh, According to The Nation, quote, In his first two years in office, the city council refused to allow Sanders to hire more than a handful of staff. While the entrenched bureaucrats in City Hall sought to thwart his initiatives, Randy Kammerbeek, the city's planning manager, tried to sabotage everything that Bernie proposed, recalled Michael Monty, who worked in that agency. He told us not to allow Bernie to have any visible successes. He figured Bernie would be out of office after his first term. After he was reelected in 1983 and voters swept into more progressive city council, Sanders gained a stronger foothold in City Hall. With the support of local Republicans and business leaders, he created the Community and Economic Development Office, CEDO, to carry out his vision for more affordable housing, more locally owned small businesses, greater community engagement and planning, and job development. And this is where we get into something that I think is, is kind of cool about Bernie. Uh, He was very successful in stopping the rise of housing prices and revitalizing the local economy. He used a budget surplus to fix up roads downtown, and he partnered with local businesses to improve downtown Burlington. When he found out that the federal program subsidizing an apartment complex in his city had a loophole that allowed landlords to convert the buildings into luxury condos, which would have forced people out of that affordable housing, he responded with rage. His housing aide later recalled, Bernie pounded his fist on the conference table and in his office and told the owners, over my dead body, are you going to displace three? 336 working families. You are not going to convert Northgate into luxury housing. Sanders pushed through a number of sweeping reforms and got state funding to purchase and rehab the buildings. Today, the Northgate apartments in Burlington are owned by their tenants and still provide affordable affordable housing Mm. for working class families. His record as a mayor was, you know, uh, not all one sided. Um, But he was reelected again and again. And eventually, in 2006, he was sent by the people of Vermont to the Senate. And there he remains. And that's what I wrote about Bernie Sanders for Very my well high school essay project. That's so good. Thank you for Bernie. Mm-hmm. What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, we were just like making, uh, giving each other a look. We're not sure. So you covered a lot of the stuff that I think there's a lot of overlap, and mm-hmm. I love that. Um, you know, I, I was going to talk, focus more on his political career, um, and you've certainly touched on this. Um, The first point I wanted to make is looking at his history of elections and losses, but perseverance, you know? So he ran for governor several times, ran for Senate several times. Uh, The only position that he won out of hand without, uh, you know, having previously lost is mayor. That was by a very low margin. Even after he was mayor, he, he ran for the House of Representatives, but lost his first time and then, you know, ran again and was elected in, uh, you know, 1990, took office in 1991. Um, and, and and I think that's where a lot of us start to know him. You know, this was very helpful, all this backstory. Um, but, you know, immediately once he was in there, he founded the Congressional Progressive Caucus, was a consistent opponent of George W. Bush's administration. He, of course, voted against the Iraq War mm-hmm. and cl- quickly established himself as, you know, being in opposition to tax cuts that benefit the wealthy and corporations. He was reelected seven times after that, usually by wide margins. Then in 2006, Sanders ran again for the U.S. Senate, and this time he easily won. And in 2016, well, I don't need to tell you what happened in mm. 2016, but I mentioned this, again, uh, bringing back to that point of, um, I think it's interesting. Uh, it speaks to his resilience and like the fact that he keeps coming back that, you know, his, his ingrained desire uh, to, to make a difference with people. Yeah. I think that that's a charitable, of course, I think 
he's a politician, but he sure. genuinely cares about improving people's lives. Um, it also speaks to how uh, he how he's worked his way through politics, that he's taken time to win people over. Uh, and you can look at it and be like, well, look at all the elections he's lost. But you can also see, and historically, he's run for things and then won after that. So I, I just I put that out there because <laughs> right, it's, it's, yeah, if, it, you can you can get elected easier if you compromise more and sort of uh, reframe what you say. But for the most part, he says what he means and yeah. just has continued to make the case, and people have caught on to it. Yeah, such as with Medicare for All. Obviously, he is the first person to have been championing this, and now it is something that we all talk about. And uh, it's perhaps the most important issue that people are voting on. Um, you know, according to his website, his Medicare for All plan would be a, a national health insurance program to provide everyone in America with comprehensive health care coverage uh, with no networks, no premiums, no deductibles, no copays, no surprise bill. Um, and then everybody's Medicare coverage would be expanded to include dental, hearing, vision, uh, inpatient, outpatient services, mental health, substance yeah. abuse treatment, reproductive and maternity care, prescription drugs, et cetera. Um, you know, and how will he pay for it? You know, he's made no – he, he, yep. he hasn't obfuscated the fact that, yes, taxes will go up. Uh, for businesses and well, individuals. Well, I mean, Katie, it's not like we have an extra trillion or two dollars <laughs> sitting around in planes that don't work that could go towards that bill. Yeah, it's not like yeah, that. Yeah, imagine that. You know, uh, but the whole argument being that you might spend a bit more on your taxes, but you would otherwise spend that money on premiums. Ultimately, you'll be saving money. Um, you know, and he also says that his plan will save money by using government collective bargaining to lower prices of pharmaceutical companies, um, and thinks that this would save the government one hundred thirteen billion a year, um, and you know, so I, I think that this is probably the strongest Medicare for all plan that we are seeing. That we'll get into it a bit more when we talk about Elizabeth Warren. Sure. Um, he also has his his wealth tax plan. You know, tax on those with a net worth of over thirty two million. So the top zero point one percent of households, uh, they would have a, a progressive tax rate and this progressive tax rate would be a 1% tax on households of two adults with over 32 million meaning that they would pay about $5,000 in a wealth tax which honestly isn't that much when you're making that much money and it's um, after right it's after you make the initial yeah, amount too, and then so. that goes yeah. up with each subsequent bracket that you get into so it goes up to 2% for people that earn 50 to $250 million a year, right, right. you know, uh, and then it would um, be different if it's a single household. And Bernie's team claims that would raise about $4.35 trillion over the next 10 years. Um, and what would he want us to use that money for? He would like to use it to fund universal child care, affordable housing plan, and uh, some of it would be used to fund Medicare for all as well. This isn't that different from Elizabeth Warren's uh, wealth tax plan, um, except that she would be using some of this money to support HBCUs. Um, but he does have a plan for that as yeah. well. Um, and I think also it's just the amount and the percentages. Yeah, like, I obviously just, he's going to be farther uh, to the left on. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just saying like inherently, like at its crux, they aren't drastically different. Um, but yes, different yeah. rates and all that. <laughs> um, but he also has, you know, free college for everyone plan, which would eliminate tuition 
at four-year public colleges and universities, and this applies to all prospective students regardless of economic status. Um, and it would cost the government. Now, Katie, yeah. is is college currently expensive? It's, because like like with Bernie Sanders' electricity, I just stole books from a Barnes & Noble. It's um, really expensive. That was very affordable. It's, oh, really? It's really expensive. And you know, I think that the real way, and, and I'm just positing this, to increase equality and opportunity is through education. So mm. if we really want to fix this, we need to make sure our broken system, we need to make sure that people have access to it. I think that's where he's coming from, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Uh, what, what if what if instead of that, we just provided additional uh, extension cords so that everyone could steal power from the local library? I think that, um, I think that his, his free college for everyone plan includes extension cords. Mm. So I think that that's one way well, to shift costs. Okay, but so, but actually, so uh, Pete actually offers tax incentives on extension cords, though. So. Yeah, but that doesn't count for inflation. Okay. okay. I have a question. Do you, do you guys know if like any of these plans for education have anything to do with like like medical school and like law school and things like that, or is it just on undergrad? Uh, I believe it's undergrad. Okay. Um, just, I don't know. Uh, not off of what I've been focusing on. It's a good question. It is um, a good I know it's undergrad and trade school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of yeah. my brother who has like three hundred thousand dollars in debt to become an oncologist. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but you know, well, he you also... know, if you decide, so Sophie, if you decide to get a do nothing degree like oncology, yeah, like, trying to you cure know, cancer, you know, well, it's not like anybody gets cancer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about um, universal health care because people get cancer. All right, no. Uh, his plan also includes uh, student loan reform, lowering interest rates, um, but he's also proposed a bill that would cancel current student loan debt, mm-hmm. uh, and that would be funded by a tax on Wall Street. Um, and, you know, like Warren, he wants to invest $1.3 billion every year in private, nonprofit, historically black colleges and universities <clears throat> and minority-serving minority institutions. Um, and that's all great. You know, I, we, we're familiar with a lot of his stances right now. He's, you know, on immigration, he's called for the breakup of ICE and CBP and wants to reinstate and expand, expand DACA dismantle deportation centers and reunite families, allow more refugees, all of this. Uh, He wants to end the prosecution of whistleblowers using the Espionage Act. All of that's great. And and, and let's talk about Israel Mm. real quickly, Mm. because Bernie uh, is perhaps the most vocal critic of Israel's policy towards Palestine Mm. amongst any of the candidates. You know, he's long criticized the U.S.'s support of Israel and says that aid to Israel Israel should be contingent on how they treat the Palestinians. Uh, he would also like some U.S. funding to be used as humanitarian aid in Gaza. Just last week, he was speaking at a J Street conference and suggested that the U.S. should condition aid to Israel and even give some of that aid to Palestinians, um, which makes him not a favorite with Israel. And I guess one of the main criticisms of his stance on Israel is, is the suggestion that if we send funding to Gaza, then we're also funding Hamas which is obviously equating the people of Gaza with Hamas. You know, that's a talking point of people sure. like Ben Shapiro yeah. and those those lovely human beings. On this issue, Sanders says conflating an effort to address that crisis with support for Hamas is part of an effort to dehumanize Palestinians and continue the conflict, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an interesting thing to note, uh, and this comes, this is actually our, our good friend Katie Golden wrote about this in a script for some more news, our other show. Um, but that in times of peace, support for Hamas actually drops. 
and, and that's interesting to just keep in mind that during times of conflict, the Palestinians tend to turn to Hamas for protection because they don't have any other options, yeah. which is why, of course, it's in everyone's best interest to foster peace as an attempt to diminish their sway in the region. Um, yeah, if you're in an open-air prison and uh, you've got no one to protect you, then what are you going to do? Right. Um, I mean, it seems very unreasonable that the Palestinians side with Hamas during times of conflict because, <laughs> you know, it, when, when, for example, there were those attacks on the United States in 2001, we did not uh, begin to irrationally support our military-industrial complex in a variety of overseas adventures uh, well beyond anything that could have been construed as a reasonable reaction. That so, didn't happen here. That's a good here. point. I won't so look why, into why it. does it happen there? <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about some of the stuff that he's received some pushback on. Um, one would be guns. Um, those of us here have different relationships with guns. Um, but for a, a liberal— Quasi-sexual, and you were asking. Exactly. Quasi-sexual, yeah. But, you know, for it's pretty well accepted for a liberal uh, to be— more anti-gun in general, pro-gun mm -hmm. regulation. Um, but Bernie's always expressed a belief in the right to own arms, also a belief mm -hmm. in some gun control. Um, in 1988, he supported an assault rifle ban. In 1993, he voted against the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention mm -hmm. Act uh, due to mandatory waiting periods. Um, but for the most part, through the, his political career, uh, Sanders has believed that most gun control decisions should be left to the states. Even following mm -hmm. the Sandy Hook massacre in 2013, he expressed some skepticism uh, about whether he would support uh, new measures that Obama uh, was proposing at the time, which included an assault weapons ban. Uh, he did ultimately vote for it. Um, but, you know, that comes back to also he, catering to his state and the people that vote for him and, you know, playing the game of being a politician. Um, but his stance has... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Robert. Yeah, I mean, just it's just Vermont is. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Uh, Forty percent gun by population. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a reasonable move. Yeah, I, I I I do understand that, but it just seems like an important thing to bring up because that is something that people talk about when they're talking about Bernie Sanders. Um, but it's it's important to note that his stance has evolved a lot since then. Um, now his gun control platform includes taking on the NRA uh, and its effect on Washington, expanding background checks. Uh, ending the gun show loophole, uh, you know, ban the sale and distribution of assault weapons, other things too. You guys can yeah. check out his website. I'm not going to just read his mm -hmm. website to you. But I, I just make the point that he has had some – there's been some controversy or some criticism of him in this issue in the past, and he has done some evolving. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was this pro-life, pro-choice controversy that kind of bubbled up. Uh, in 2017, um, it seems worth noting. Uh, in 2017, Sanders campaigned for a Nebraska mayoral candidate, Keith Mello, uh, who has co-sponsored bills restricting abortion rights. Uh, and and that rubbed a lot of people, including myself, the wrong way at the time. You know, back then, people were – it was post-2016, and people were really upset that he wasn't endorsing other Democratic candidates, uh, which – you know, really could have helped them in their races, but he did endorse this man of all people. Um, and Sanders defended his decision saying, quote, the truth is that in some conservative states, there will be candidates that are popular candidates who may not agree with me on every issue. I understand it. That's what politics about. 
uh, and claims, uh, quote, if we were going to protect a woman's right to choose, at the end of the day, we're going to need democratic control over the House and the Senate and the state governments over this nation. Uh, and we have got to appreciate where people come from and do our best to fight for the pro-choice agenda. But I think you just can't exclude people who disagree with us on one issue. And I get that sentiment, but I disagree. <laughs> I think I think that that's a line in the sand at this point for me. I don't think that we can have Democrats in office that aren't pro-choice. Doesn't mean that people have to get abortions, but they have to support that. The Democrats believe in women's reproductive rights. And even the logic behind that is a little off kilter because if you're saying that you need democratic control in order to protect women's rights, but if some of those Democrats don't want to, then they're not going to. Yeah, and granted, this is the mayor, but in general, that really, really, uh, actually, it hurt my feelings (laughs) a little. That's the wrong way to put it. But like this is somebody that is an advocate and a bulldog and fights for people that need need him and 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 women are obviously obviously this is uh, greatly important and and you know a lot of pushback on on this and from people that are diehard Bernie fans would say like look look to his record and that's true he has been really pro women's reproductive rights and it's important to note but I I um. That bothers me. That really bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not perfect. He uh you know, one thing that's interesting to me as we go over all this stuff, Katie, is that in his background, he's a guy who is not willing to compromise on the things that are important to him to make himself more palatable for election in the in the first place. Yeah. Like he, he was pretty strong about like like he's he's been pretty consistent about the main lines of his campaign. But once he is in office, uh and once he's sort of like like in in that mode, he's been very willing to compromise and uh, uh, compromise in fact, in, in in some cases on his beliefs and stuff in order to stay in power and in yeah. order to kind of like further the the goals that he has, which is like that's um, not necessarily a bad thing. It's kind of the people who do that tend to stay in politics for a long time rather than getting kicked out. So. Again, it's being a politician. It's being a politician, like mm-hmm. they like they all are. Yeah, no uh, politician is yeah. not a politician. Yeah, yeah. Cody, did you have some stuff you wanted to bring up? Um, briefly, yeah. Um, you, uh, Robert, you'd mentioned uh, sort of activism uh, during mm-hmm. that brief period, um, and I want to talk about that a little bit, just because I think it speaks a lot to sort of what we've been talking about and where he has started and how that is sort of always been true for him despite like these various compromises we've talked about um because he doesn't really talk about his activism a lot Mm -hmm. um he won't really tell these stories um some surrogates will but like he's not like oh yeah let me tell you about all these times i got arrested um but it was a brief period um when he lived in chicago um he was the like you said chairman of the university chapter of the congress for racial equality or core um he eventually merged that with the student nonviolent. uh coordination committee uh during that time the group became aware of various instances of housing segregation on campus so bernie organized a sit-in um he gave rousing speech outside uh and 33 students went and did a sit-in um at the university it was actually apparently the first uh civil rights sit-in that chicago had ever had really um holy shit yeah um it also kind of worked uh the university university president george beadle 
agreed to make a committee to explore the university's housing policies. George Interesting. Beadle. Yeah. Uh, B E A D L E. Sorry. Still a beetle. Still a beetle. Um, and so he, he uh, they made that committee. Bernie was on that committee. Um, he also agreed to sort of hear questions and comments from students about this issue. Uh, though it became clear, as maybe that phrasing pointed to, that uh, there would be a, a committee to explore the university's housing policies. Uh, it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. It was it was kind of lip service, and he was not really open to hearing anything from the students. Uh, so in response to that, Bernie wrote uh, in the school paper, uh, it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek piece, uh, kind of meant to rile Beetle up and also get students to submit questions. And I just wanted to read a brief passage from this because I think it points to just kind of what like a little stinker he's always been um, and sort of this anti-establishment, not taking any guff attitude. Um, to some people, it might appear that the university was attempting to go back on its word. At the present moment, however, we in CORE do not publicly hold these thoughts. We maintain our belief in President Beadle's, quote, sincerity, in Dean Wick's, quote, good faith, and in Ray Brown's, <laughs> quote, liberalism. Uh, and the whole article reads like that. It's just this very uh, dry, uh, tongue-in-cheek sort of attack on on the administration for not doing what they said they would do. Um, and he sort of urges students to ask a bunch of questions to them. Um, another story you won't hear him really tell is when he was living in Chicago, he just spent the day posting flyers about police brutality because it mm-hmm. was something he, he cared about. Um, and eventually he realized that uh, there were some cops following him and taking the flyers down. Oh. So if, at the end of the day, they sort of like they walked up to him and said, are these yours? And handed him the pile of flyers that they had taken down while following him. Um, cool. He, very cool. Uh, he marched on Washington in 1963. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a different case of uh, segregation for housing, uh, he chained him. This was actually a few days before that, that march in Washington. Uh, he chained himself to bulldozers and other protesters to protest that. You'll probably see this photo of him being arrested, passed around a lot from that. Um, and those are like the main stories you'll hear because his actual activism was, uh, brief. If you, if you consider it like that, right? like the, like, I'm going to organize, I'm going to do this. We're going to do a sit in. We're going to do that. Um, but I think it does speak to, uh, where he comes from and what he has always sort of believed in this general idea of equality and justice. Um, cause he was just this like Jewish kid going to all these civil rights marches, like it was kind of rare at the time. This was like in the early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. um, Being that passionate and like willing to, again, for a brief period, but willing to literally literally chain yourself. um, Look, there was, at the time when this was happening, the vast majority of white people, particularly white people uh, in his position, didn't take part in the civil rights movement. Right. And he did. Well, yeah, that's why we're from calling back Mm -hmm. to the beginning, one of... The original allies. Right. Like he was putting he w- his body on the line. And yeah. whatever you can say about his record and before, sort of like it, back was and trendy, forth, before it was trendy photo op. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He, he should be proud of that. And we should be proud of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was very rare during that time. Um, yeah. And he sort of carried that that attitude in general, I think, throughout his career. Um, even when he was, uh, there's this interesting article, uh, from the daily beast, mayor Bernie Sanders created an eighties trans Mecca in Burlington. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's, he's always sort of had this about him. Even when, when he first became mayor of Burlington, uh, 
gay I mean, rights yeah, organizers. Anyone that writes sexy essays like <laughs> right, what right. we <laughs> is probably right. a bit essays more as hot as that one. Yeah, pretty more open minded than your standard probably, politician. Probably a little more open minded. Um, but even uh, when he was running uh, with the Liberty Union Party, uh, part of the platform was abolishing all laws. Uh, related to discrimination against mm-hmm. homosexuality, um, which again, very, very rare 40 yeah. years ago. And uh, when he was mayor of Burlington, a bunch of gay rights organizers uh, planned uh, the first pride parade there. And most of the community and other politicians were very, very opposed to it. Bernie came out very vocally in favor of it. Um, he wrote a memo, uh, part of that read, in our democratic society, in our democratic society, it is the responsibility of government to safeguard civil liberties and civil rights, especially the freedom of speech and expression. In a free society, we must all be committed to the mutual respect of each other's lifestyle. Um, and he yeah. has always sort of had that yeah. civil rights uh, mindset. mindset. Yeah. Um, and then two years after the parade, uh, he signed a city ordinance that uh, prohibited housing discrimination against uh, the gay community. Um and just sort of generally – this is an interesting quote from uh, Amber LeMay um, about just Burlington and Vermont and sort of, I guess, the Sanders effect. Um, from what I understand, Sanders didn't do anything specific for the gay community. He just treated them like he treated everyone else. He gave opportunities and the gay community took him up on them. Mm-hmm. Juxtaposing that with this other, this other quote from uh, Alana Cleverly. Not saying he didn't do anything, but his actions show that he feels that everybody should be treated as equals. Everybody should have equal rights, regardless of their situation and regardless of their gender. He's fought for all of that and made it way easier for everybody in the community, not just for trans people, but for everybody. And they talk about how they were able to walk around uh, freely and free of judgment there. And when Mm -hmm. they go to other places, they they don't necessarily feel that. Um, And I just think it's... uh, it's something he's always had. There's a, an interesting clip from 1995. They're talking about a clean water bill and a, a, a congressman is railing against it. And in the midst of that, he refers to homos in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he talks for like three more minutes. Um, and then it's Bernie's turn to talk. And he's like, I want to bring the gentleman back over here. I have a question for him. When you were you just talked about homos yeah. in the military and he just like shits on him for a while Uh and talks about how, like, that's really disrespectful to Americans, but also the military. And he, like, really pinpoints that, um, taking the time from his time to focus on this one little phrase. Um, and this is in 1995. Uh, it's like, what, 16 years before Don't Ask, Don't Tell ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think that there are those moments. We know we often talk on the show about, like, People evolving their opinions and they've they've grown on this issue. And there's certain issues like that and like gay marriage and just uh, all the stuff we've been talking about that he's always had. Right. Um, and whether or not he continued that activism or whatever throughout, I think he's always had the, like the heart of an activist and an organizer. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's clear. Um, and a fighter for equality and civil rights. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to sort of uh, point to that uh, because – you love him. What, you love I, him. You want him else, to be your president. I hate Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> whatever else you can say about the guy, and there's a lot you can say about the guy, he's always treated people like people. Yeah. And that's pretty rare. It's really rare, especially like <laughs> for politicians. Back in the day and as a yeah. politician. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there are just these sort of issues where it's like uh, the right side of history from the very beginning. Uh, there was no evolution necessary for that. And I think that speaks to 
Again, I hate him, so I'm not going <laughs> to No, no, uh, you are a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard's uh, cult leader, um, yeah. who you are writing in uh, as a candidate. I would, I would for, I call myself a, a Tulsi Gabbard. I could. Yeah, you're you're Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, you're secretly very good at this. Branding, I, I will Cody. be writing in Theodore Kaczynski as I do every year. Obviously, um, obviously, I wouldn't. I I would I would think less of you if you didn't. Katie, are you voting for Uncle Uncle Ted too? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Excellent. I'm All right, well, we've got our votes locked down. Uh, Kaczynski, <laughs> Two Kaczynski and one Gabbard. Uh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she could be a good B- VP for Ted. Only, only for Ted Gabbard. Sure. Yeah, yeah. She could put a bomb together and mail it to a stranger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, believe for that. Sure. She's definitely yeah. got that in her wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, absolutely. She served some time in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pete, I think Pete would too. Pete would too. Yep. And he, uh, it yep. was so many great options. A lot of great options. So a lot, a lot of great people to help Uncle Ted with his crusade. I don't know why we want to always keep winding up on Ted. We should probably just end our Bernie Sanders. I'm episode. sorry. What is this we nonsense, Robert? <laughs> You're sorry that Cody, we were, always talk about dead kids. Yeah, let's. You let's, were you were just as culpable as I was, and you know it. I never bring him up. I never bring him I, up either. I'm a I'm a I'm a guy bird. All right. I'm not. You you brought it up <laughs> obliquely. All right, Sophie hates this. It's time for us to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to our extra long episode, guys. All about Bernie Sanders. Uh, you can check us out online at Worst Year Pod, both on Instagram. And the Twitter. Mm. And we've got a store with merch. Yeah. Check out those products and services we talked about earlier. Also, uh, we will not be releasing an episode next week, Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate it. But we will be back the week after with a new episode on Wednesday, December 4th. Cool? Cool. Guys, what do you got to say for yourselves? Um... I'm just to, to paraphrase Robert. Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. You're thank welcome. You so much, Robert and Cody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's an episode. <laughs> that's an episode. <laughs> that's how you do it. I tried. Daniel. Lovely. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.